Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Real Presence Radio Live. My name is Jacques Daniel. I am the director of... Communications here at the Diocese of Rapid City, also the Assistant Director of Faith Formation. I'm here with the lovely Amy Julian, and I was the Director of Family Life here at the Diocese, so I used to work next door to Jacques, and now I'm the Director of Evangelization for St. Joseph Parish in Spearfish, South Dakota. We brought her back. We brought her back this morning. <laughs> yeah, they, they can't change the locks fast enough to keep me out of here. <laughs> We're uh, we're in the beautiful downtown Chancery Building, and we have quite a show. As I was talking to Amy, uh, trying to con her into being on the radio this morning, I started uh, listing some of the guests, and the more names I said, the more excited she got. So, yeah, if you are longtime listeners of Real Presence Radio Live, you're going to be excited because very excited, an amazing show. Yes, but we should we should probably pray. We should pray. Let's pray. In the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great Easter season and the many ways that you are at work in our lives. Thank you for today, the uh, I say beautiful weather, but wherever you are at, the weather that you have, thank you for the ways that you take care of us. That's beautiful here in Rapid City this morning. Uh, and we just offer up to you today all of our work and uh, all of our conversations, all of our joys and sufferings. Uh, I ask that you be with us and be with all our listeners uh, and pour out your blessings on us as we pray. All glory be to the Father and to, to the, the Son and to the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. As, as it was, was in the beginning, beginning as now, now and ever shall be. World, world without end. end. Amen. Amen. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. We have for our first guest... Mr. Carlo Broussard. Carlo, are you with us? Hey, good morning, Jacques and Amy. Good, good morning. morning. Now, Carlo, where are you coming from this morning? I'm coming to you from north of San Diego, California, this place called Marietta. Marietta yeah. Temecula. So. Oh, yeah, Temecula, uh, okay. Legoland it's, country. It's actually not... That's right. That's right. It's not actually as beautiful as you guys. We got a little overcast this morning, surprisingly so, uncharacteristically. <laughs> yeah, but can you smell the ocean from where you're at? <laughs> well, the ocean, I'm actually an hour inland. An hour inland, so okay. The, yeah, so the ocean, I am not on the ocean where I'm at, but it's still beautiful where I'm at. We're actually near the mountain range here. So oh, nice. It's very, yeah, it's very beautiful. We've got some beautiful foothills, so let's be God. Blessed be Blessed God. God. Carlo, so I, uh, as I was going through the list and introducing the guests to Amy yesterday as we were prepping, um, I mentioned your name, and she got very excited. And uh, I'm, A little starstruck. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I had never heard your name. So to tell it, So we have a good mix here of probably our, our listeners. Tell us who you are. Tell us about yeah. you, a little bit about yourself. 
don't feel bad, Jock. It's, it's a common <laughs> thing, man. Uh, yeah, so I, I've been with Catholic Answers now. I'm a, I'm a full-time apologist and speaker and author for Catholic Answers for the past seven and a half years. But I come from a, a music background in southern Louisiana. Mm. So although I live in Southern California, I am from Southern Louisiana. Uh, it's so a good place I, to be I, from. Absolutely, yeah. So I had my own band. I played the Cajun accordion, and I started performing professionally from the time I was 13 all the way until I was 20. Oh, and my goodness, so a little up. bit of Zydeco. That's right, that's right. So I gave up my pursuit of full-time music career in order to pursue my heart's desire of studying and teaching theology and philosophy. And I was inspired by my now good friend and colleague, Tim Staples, when I was 18. So I heard his conversion story, I was introduced to apologetics, and there was a fire that lit within my heart to study the faith and to teach the faith and to do what Tim Staples did, that is to do apologetics, travel around, and, and all of the above. And so I started studying informally, and eventually I gave up my pursuit of the music career in order to start my formal training in theology, and then met my wife, and eventually one thing led to another. Fifteen years after that is when I finally came on with Catholic Answers. During that 15 years, I uh, went off to college, started studying, started working in parish ministry, religious education, youth ministry, and all of that. And then also uh, started working, I started my own institute for adult faith formation once I got my master's in theology. And then I started working with Father Robert Fitzgerald. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yes, the Magis Center. Yeah, that's right. I worked with Father Spitzer in the Magis Center for two years prior to coming on with Catholic Answers seven and a half years ago. And so here I am, uh, living the dream, talking to you guys. And that's the short story of my backstory. Amen. Well, so did you ever run across Camille Polly with Father Robert Spitzer? Yes, I did. Yeah, I never worked directly with Camille, but uh, our paths crossed a few times in my work with Father Spitzer, and I'm aware of her and the work that she does, the good work that she does. Well, and she has moved to Rapid City, so she's like that's our neighbor right. now. Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. My, so, my, one of my, wife, my wife's best friend lives uh, in South Dakota, and I'm not sure exactly which city. It might be Rapid City, because it's near Camille, because Camille was put oh. in touch with my wife's best friend, and so uh, the Hendersons, that's their last name. So Jennifer Henderson, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Actually, one of my wife's best friends. Yeah, and Jennifer's husband, J.D., played an instrumental part of my conversion 20 years ago. So this oh, is like old home week. <laughs> Plus the God. There you go. That's the connection. So anyway, yeah. Anyway. So familiar with it, yeah. That's great. Well, we have... Uh, you know, a great show plan and a good topic for uh, for you to talk with us about. Um, okay. Now, this this topic is generally this is something we normally talk about in October, right? And November, um, mm -hmm. but we're talking about it today, purgatory. Um, why are we talking about? It's Easter, Carlo. Why are we talking about purgatory today? <laughs> Uh, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to have to shoot from the hip and think about how to connect purgatory <laughs> with Easter. I'm not sure. 
Uh, I did do that in my book. So I have a book that I wrote for Catholic Answers Press on purgatory. Mm. It's called Pur- It's called Purgatory is for Real. Good news about the afterlife for those who aren't perfect yet. Yeah, and I love the so, title. Yeah, so the two titles there kind of encapsulates, uh, summarizes the whole thesis of the book. One, uh, the main gist of it is the apologetical uh, uh, part of it, where I'm providing evidence for the doctrine of purgatory uh, in non-Christian religions to show that the idea of purgatory is not just a Catholic thing. Even among Protestant Christians, uh, the idea of purgatory is embraced to some extent. I go through the biblical evidence, both Old and New Testament, for purgatory. I do a survey of the Church's teaching on purgatory, establishing that it is an infallible teaching that Catholics must assent to with full and definitive faith. And um, I also have a chapter where I go through questions that arise concerning purgatory, the most, most of which pertain to what we call speculative theology, which the Church doesn't okay. really have any position on it, but we're just thinking through this stuff, you know, with the great minds and the history of the Church. So that's sort of a summary of the book on purgatory. But how do we connect it to Easter? Well, Easter is all about the resurrection of our Lord, and I must say that through, I guess I would say that through the resurrection of Christ, as St. Paul teaches us in Romans, I think it's chapter 4, verse 25, that we are justified mm-hmm. through Christ's resurrection. And it's that justice that guarantees for us uh, heaven once we die in that just state. But here's the key, and here's the connection with purgatory. If we are not perfectly, uh, with justice, with being justified with God, comes also sanctification and holiness, right? right? So whenever we are justified, we're not only put in a right relationship with God, but that right relationship is rooted in uh, sanctification and being holy, being made holy. Now, here's the thing. Whenever we die... Although we may be justified and in right relationship with God, we might not have the perfect holiness or sanctification that's Mm -hmm. necessary for immediate entrance into heaven. If we die and we are not perfectly holy and sanctified, necessary for immediate entrance into heaven, then we got to get perfectly holy in order to get into heaven. And that final purification after death in order to complete the process of sanctification, or being made holy, is what we call purgatory. At least that's one aspect of the uh, doctrine of purgatory, the completion of that sanctification for entrance into heaven, even though we are saved, which thereby excludes the common uh, misconception that purgatory is a second chance for salvation. That is not the case, because every soul in purgatory is already saved. All right. All right, so we got, we got the expert on purgatory... And uh, that was a great answer. See, there you go. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'll avoid going off the show notes from now on. Um, but you, uh, you can handle it. Catholic answers expert. Um, so we're talking about purgatory. You are the expert on purgatory. Church is the expert, and you have done a lot. You've written a great book. What? Um, how do we define purgatory for our listeners so that we yeah. we're all on the same page? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, your listeners can go to paragraph ten thirty. 1030 to 1031 to get a great synopsis of the Church's teaching on purgatory, but if we were to condense it and refine it to like a single definition, it would be an after-death 
final purification of the souls of those who die in friendship with Christ, but yet have not attained the perfect holiness necessary for immediate entrance into heaven. So that's how I would summarize it in a single line or a single definition. And so we can unpack that, you know, as our time goes on and we continue the conversation further. Wonderful. Yeah, I remember when I came into the church and one of the priests explaining it to me and he said, using terms that he would use with a, you know, second grader. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he told me like, you know, and you wake up in the middle of the night and you go into the bathroom and you turn on the lights and it's so bright that you you have to, you know, close your eyes because you can't deal with the bright light. And that mm-hmm. that's what it would be for us to enter into heaven before we're pure, you know, perfectly purified. That we need that, you know, those of us that don't die perfectly holy, we need that time of adjustment in order to be able to even bear the presence of God. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. You know, uh, Revelation twenty one twenty seven teaches us that nothing of defilement shall enter into heaven. Uh, the Old Testament in Habakkuk, we read that uh, no, nothing of unholy can um be in the presence of God, and so there. Not only is there this sort of um, objective reality, like you got to be holy to be in the presence of God, but also, as you put it, Amy, that even for us, from our own perspective and experience, we wouldn't even be able to bear the presence of God without that perfect holiness. Absolutely, makes you think twice about going to communion before you go to confession. <laughs> Uh, yeah, especially with regard to mortal sin. It's very important yeah. for our listeners to know that we should only refrain from Holy Communion if we find ourselves guilty of mortal sin. But if we're only guilty of venial sin, the Church encourages us to continue to go to Holy Communion precisely because through receiving our Lord by way of Holy Communion, the any, venial, any guilt of venial sin that's on the soul is actually remitted. And so we are cleansed, we are washed by the blood of the Lamb by receiving Him in Holy Communion with regard to the guilt of venial sin, and then also healing the wounds of those venial sins as well. Because some Catholics can get a little bit too scrupulous and abstain from Holy Communion even on account of venial sins. And that's something that we need to try to help our Catholic brothers and sisters with, to know that, no, our Lord wants to cleanse us of those venial sins through Holy Communion. Amen. The blood of the Lamb. Amen. Back to Easter. Back to Easter. Back Here to we Easter. are. Well, thank you for uh, joining us, Carlo. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about purgatory. And praying for those in purgatory. Amen. Amen. Join us in a few seconds. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. I'm Jacques Daniel here with Amy Julian. We are uh, broadcasting this morning from downtown Rapid City. Right across the street from Armadillo's, right next to the mustard seed. <laughs> I might have to stop there on the way back. <laughs> it is Easter. It is Easter. It is Easter. It is Easter. Easter and we're here isn't... with uh, Carlo Broussard from Catholic Answers, having a beautiful conversation about purgatory. Welcome back. Now, Carla, we uh, had a great conversation during the break <laughs> that we should have with our listeners. So, it, purgatory, I always have, you know, uh, think about 
it kind of in a negative connotation, or I think there's a, a negative connotation in the world. Like we just kind of created this. You know, Catholics made this uh, this teaching just to, you know, assuage our Catholic, Catholic guilt. guilt. Yeah. But you, even in the last segment, kind of talked about some of the Old Testament roots. T- tell us more. Tell us more about purgatory. Yeah. We- okay. Yeah. So with so with regard to the Old Testament roots, what we find in the Old Testament. In Second Maccabees chapter twelve is this recounting of Judas Maccabeus uh, coming upon his fallen comrades after battle and discovering uh, these sorts of um, amulets that they were keeping on them, uh, which would have been akin to some sort of superstition. And then he takes up he he and the other soldiers pray for his fallen comrades that their sins might be remitted, and then they take up a collection to make an an offering of atonement on their behalf. So we see this um, Jewish belief that sins may be remitted for the souls of individuals in the afterlife, and then secondly, the belief that they here on earth can pray for those souls in the afterlife and benefit them in the afterlife. And so this is the common practice of praying for the dead. The implication is that these souls are not in heaven because they have sins that need to be remitted. They're not in hell because sins are being remitted. You can't have sins remitted in hell. And so it implies a state of reality that's neither heaven nor hell, where sins are remitted. That's what we call purgatory, at least one aspect of the doctrine of purgatory. But note the practice of praying for the dead. And so that's an essential part of the Catholic understanding of purgatory, not only that, simply that, a soul is experiencing the final purification in the afterlife, but also that we here on earth, the faithful, other members of the mystical body of Christ, can offer prayers up to God, requesting that God either partially or fully um, complete that final purification for the souls in purgatory, or even a prayer offered for a particular soul in purgatory. Now, granted, our appeal to the Old Testament fits within the Catholic framework because we accept accept Maccabees as inspired by God. Our Protestant brothers and sisters do not accept Second Maccabees as inspired by God and therefore part mm-hmm. of sacred scripture. However, it does provide apologetical value for us because it provides a window into the Jewish belief right before and at the time of Jesus. And so this was something that was a part of the Jewish theological milieu, right? It was a part of the theological framework of these early Jewish people. And Jesus would have been swimming in those waters, so to speak. And never did he deny it. And in fact, our Lord implies it in Matthew twelve thirty-two, where he says, The sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age, nor in the age to come. The reason why Matthew adds that extra tidbit from our Lord's teaching in the age to come, because Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. And so when he's talking about a sin that will not be forgiven in this age, the Jewish audience would have been asking the question in their mind, well, Lord, if the sin can't be forgiven in this age, well, what about in the age to come? Because... Mm -hmm. We believe that some sins can be forgiven in the age to come. And so Jesus is teaching in a way that fits with that Jewish belief that some sins can be remitted in the afterlife. And that's an aspect of the doctrine of purgatory. And of course, our prayers here on earth can help those souls in the afterlife. And 
Jacques and Amy, this goes all the way back to AD 150. We have gravesite inscriptions dating to AD 150, where one name, uh, 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 one is talking about uh, how his mother or the person's mother is Eucharist. My father is pious. I pray you, O brother, to pray when you come here and to ask in your common prayers the Father and the Son uh, to remember me and have mercy on me. So we have great side inscriptions where the, the person buried is requesting the living faithful to pray for them. So this goes all the way back to ancient times. That's, that is a brilliant idea. I know, I'm putting that on my gravestone. <laughs> That's fabulous. I know, I, I tell my kids often that if you go you know, at my funeral and just tell everybody how awesome I was, please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> please, don't do that. <laughs> please ask for prayer. Pray, 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 pray. Amen. Please pray. Amen. So what is the best way to pray for the souls of the people that we believe might be in purgatory? Well, you can simply offer up a simple prayer, Lord. I pray for my grandma's soul, <laughs> that <laughs> grandma's soul will be finally purified. It could be as simple as that and informal as that, or it can be, may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace, a formal prayer like that, mm. or the most powerful way is to offer a mass for a loved one, a, a fallen loved one, a, a departed loved one. And you go, and you go to the parish and say, hey, I'd like to have a Mass offered for my grandmother, my grandfather, or whoever, one of your loved ones who's passed away. And then also, too, as the Church points out, we can offer sacrifices for, mm-hmm. like, you know, offering up our sufferings. I got a headache, I got COVID, I got a sickness. Uh, whatever it may be, we can offer up those sufferings for... Uh, a loved one who might be in purgatory for the completion or partial completion of their final purification. And it gives such hope, I think, you know, when we've lost a loved one and, and you just you just feel lost, you know, or, or a friend of yours has lost a loved one, and it just makes you feel like, there's something I can do. You know, I mean, I'm not just helpless in this situation. I can offer up prayers, and that's the most powerful thing we can do. And like you said, the to offer up a Mass, you know, to be able to, mm-hmm. yeah, have a Mass said for someone that you love. Um, yeah, what about somebody about, that you don't even... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go on. Well, I was going to say, what about people we don't even know? Can we pray for those? Yeah, yeah sure. We can always pray general prayers for the souls in purgatory. We do this every time when we go to Mass, right? But Mm-hmm. Every Mass in the liturgy has a particular part where we pray for the dead, generally uh, for all the souls. So it, indeed, we even personally in our own private prayer can offer prayer, general prayers for the souls in purgatory. And that's the prayer that I just stated earlier, may the souls of the faith departed through the mercy of God. Right. It's, it's the general application of, of the prayer. But with regard to the consolation that this provides for us, think about this, Jacques and Amy. You know, the Bible teaches nothing of defilement shall enter into heaven. That's very clear. And we have to be perfectly holy to enter into heaven. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know that I love Jesus, but you know what? My love for Jesus is, a, is, is not perfect, because I fall short of God's perfect glory every day, even in minor ways. Sometimes I might not... I might not love and serve my wife the best way. There might be some dishes that I should do, but I take the easy route and don't do the dishes, right? Yeah. Some days are better than others. I I don't take care of the kids when I should be going to take care of the kids. And maybe I'm a little selfish or something. Whatever it may be, I die. 
I'm in love with Jesus, but I'm not perfectly holy yet. I know that about myself, and I know that about my loved ones, right? I know my loved ones love our Lord, but I know my loved ones aren't perfectly holy yet. So think about this. If there were no purgatory, well, then when my loved ones die, there would be no way for them to go into heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they wouldn't go to hell because they are not, like, guilty of mortal sin, but I know they wouldn't be able to go to heaven because they're not perfectly holy. And so knowing that there is a purgatory, that provides consolation for me, knowing that even though my loved one was not perfectly holy and loving Jesus, heaven can still, they eventually will be able to get to heaven after going through the final purification of purgatory. So it provides consolation for believers, not only for myself, like, Thank you, Jesus, that purgatory is a reality for me in case I don't die with that perfect holiness yet, so I can still enter into heaven through the final purification. But also it provides consolation knowing that my loved one can still enter into heaven even though they have died without the perfect holiness necessary for heaven. So that's one way in which the doctrine of purgatory can provide consolation for us as believers. And I articulate several other ways in my book, Purgatory is for Real, which your listeners can get at shop.catholic.com. Shop.catholic.com, yeah. I have so many more questions. <laughs> We're running out of time. You know, one of the questions that come up, and maybe you covered it in your book, Carlo, is, um, you know, part of this, uh, the doctrine of purgatory is, is wrapped around the communion of saints and how we interact with each other and uh, how we are still part of one body. And one of the questions that come up comes up to me frequently is like, what can those in purgatory do? Do they have any? Do they have any power? Are they praying for us? Can can we ask them to pray for us? Are they just receiving our prayers? Like, what's that relationship? Yeah. So this is actually a debated question in the theological tradition. So many great minds throughout the history, including even St. Thomas Aquinas, this is going to be probably the one and only point where I disagree with St. Thomas on. (laughs) And (laughs) St. Thomas Aquinas actually argues against the souls in purgatory being able to pray for us, but the Catechism in paragraph 958 seems to be landing on the side of the debate that they can pray for us. And here's what the Catechism says, our prayer for them is capable not only of helping them, but also of making their intercession for us effective. And that's within the section of of our communion with the dead. So notice the Catechism is saying our prayer for them makes their intercession for us effective. So first of all, the implication is that they intercede for us. And that, of course, would be by way of the communion of charity. They die in charity, we are in charity, we're members of the mystical body of Christ, and in virtue of that union of charity and grace, they're able to intercede for us. But what's cool, Jacques and Amy, is the catechism is saying our prayer for them makes their intercession for us effective, because the less perfect they are, the more perfect they are, the more powerful their prayer is. The less sin they have, the more powerful their prayer is, because sin impedes the effectiveness of prayer. And so, that's paragraph 958 in the Catechism. Nice. Beautiful. Carlo, thank you for joining us. Again, if you guys want to learn more about Purgatory, you can visit shop.catholic.com. Purgatory is for real. Carlo, and, uh, it's, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you, Carlo. Thank you for joining hey, us. It was- 
It was a joy on my end as well. Y'all have a great day, guys, and God bless you both. Thanks, you too. God bless you. Well, don't go too far. Join us uh, after the break for some more amazing guests here on Real Presence Radio Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 